Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to like the video and subscribe if you haven't already. And you can check our Streamlabs link in the description below if you'd like to make a donation in support of the channel. Donate any dollar amount. Ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. And I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer. Hey, what's up, Nate? Great to be here. Thanks for having me on as always. It's always a pleasure having you. And this week, we're going to talk about the PlayStation 5 and its first year on market because we are now in the anniversary week that the PlayStation 5 first came to market in North America. And it has been an interesting year, especially when compared to prior generations, the PlayStation 5 launched with a couple of heavy hitters. Arguably the biggest release for the launch lineup was Demon's Souls from Bluepoint, a studio that Sony recently acquired. And along with Demon's Souls, the PlayStation 5 also launched with Insomniac's Spider-Man Miles Morales, as well as Spider-Man Remastered. And let's talk about the PlayStation 5 launch. We are now 12 months removed from when the system came out. And a year ago, we were definitely excited about the prospect of the hardware. We were excited for a new generation. We were excited about everything that the SSD could offer and what Sony Studios are going to develop for this new hardware. So let's jump right into our feelings of the PlayStation 5 launch one year out. And let's start with you, MVG. What do you think of the PlayStation 5 launch at this point? Well, first of all, I can't believe 12 months has passed. This year has just flown by, hasn't it? I mean, it just felt like maybe three months ago that I was unboxing my PS5 and making a video on it and everything. Um <laughs> It's been it's been quite the year. Um but as far as the first year of the PlayStation 5, it's been it's been pretty decent. It it's definitely hasn't been amazing, you know. Um I think given the way things are in the world right now and 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 COVID has obviously had a a big impact on Sony and not just Sony, but you know, Microsoft and Nintendo as well, but what they were planning on bringing us this year. But what we have seen this year is has been pretty good. You know, they started out very strong with Demon Souls, Miles Morales. Um, you remember Ratchet was supposed to be a launch window game, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, we were supposed to see it in February. Is, is that... I think that was right. And then obviously it kind of got pushed to the middle of the year. Um, but Ratchet was mm-hmm. was a phenomenal game. And, you know, for me, it's one of those games that's really up there. Um, Returnal was 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 excellent as well. And, in fact, the new patch that just came out, I've been really um, going back and enjoying that again. Um, maybe a little controversial, Nate, but I think Returnal should be in the conversation for Game of the Year this year. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll talk about game of the year in another episode, I'm sure, uh, when when the time is right. But um, look, overall, it's been it's been a pretty decent year. I think my only biggest concern with Sony has been they've just kind of lost their way in the last quarter. And I think that's fair to say. You know, um, obviously there's been some delays. There's been some games that they were hoping to to bring out bring us this year for the holidays which didn't pan out and you know there's 
there's a bit of a gap there. So, you know, mm-hmm. they started out very strong. They they had a very good first half of the year, um, but they kind of fell away a little bit. But I don't think it's really affected them at all. I think sales-wise, they've done very well. Um, there's other things that have come up this year where, you know, acquisitions have occurred. They've also, um, you know, committed to uh, bringing games on the PC. So they've done all the right moves given the landscape of video games this year. And yeah, it's been it's been a pretty decent first year. What do you think about Sony's first year, though? I mean, overall, for the first year, due to the challenges with COVID and, you know, the manufacturing and even just game development that were impacted by COVID, I think Sony really did come forward with their best foot and they did what they had to do. Yeah. They didn't have the runaway year. I think a lot of people are expecting, especially based on the marketing that Sony put forth last year Yes, with some of those early PlayStation 5 press conferences and presentations where they were promising you know, Gran Turismo 7 in 2021 with God of War Ragnarok and these huge first-party releases. And we saw games get delayed. But in like retrospect, it definitely felt as though 2021 was going to be a bigger year in terms of software from Sony first parties, especially with those previously mentioned too, in addition to Horizon Forbidden West. And that trilogy of games have faced delays. Mm-hmm. But Sony still came to market with quality. And right from day one, they gave you a fantastic release. And it's not Demon's Souls. It's not Spider-Man. It was Astrobot. Yep. They gave a tech demo that was fleshed out, had its own platinum trophy. But Astrobot illustrated the strengths of the DualSense controller in a way that most games brought to market today have not been able to replicate. And I remember playing Astrobot for the first time last year, and it was the only PlayStation 5 game I had at the time, so I really committed myself to it. And I remember getting to one of the stages where it rains and feeling the raindrops in the controller with the haptics. It felt revolutionary. Mm-hmm. That illustrated to me what Sony and their partners could do with you know, platformers going forward or really any game that had weather effects because I could feel each individual drop of rain and then you get to hail and it felt like a greater impact from the weather actually landing on your character's umbrella. And then yep. I dive into games like Demon Souls where the visuals were, wow, it was really impressive. And I don't want to get too deep into the quality of Demon Souls as a product because I definitely have some complaints with the game and mostly nitpicking type of stuff. Because when I compare it to the original release, Bluepoint did a fantastic job with the visuals and making it look like a true headliner for the PlayStation 5, but they didn't really evolve the gameplay. And I know that was intentional, but I do wish they had a few more quality of life enhancements to make it feel a little more modern for the 2020 market or even 2021, since that's the calendar year we are now in. And I then played Miles Morales. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was no load times. And that was the promise of the SSD. We were going to have seamless open worlds. And that game really illustrated to me what the future for open world design can be on these next generation machines. And it felt like such a big deal coming from, the base PlayStation 4 because I never had a PlayStation 4 Pro. So I went from that 
big PlayStation 4 rectangle to a PlayStation 5. So the leap for me in terms of visuals, load time was substantial. Yeah, I mean, truly felt like a new gen. You would have gotten a really good kind of boost. Um, Coming from a PS4 Pro, probably wasn't as big, um, but it was it was still there, you know. And and look, I think I think the difference, you know, as as you mentioned, has been the DualSense controller. That that has really been the standout for me with the PlayStation Five. You know, when when implemented correctly. It really is kind of transformative. You know, you mentioned Astro, Astro's Playroom. Returnal is another game that I think takes really great advantage of the DualSense control. You mentioned the rain yes. and, and running on the, on the, on the stone, you know, grounds and stuff like that. Very much in the same, same kind of feel, you know, with the DualSense there. And look, I think Sony hardware wise, they did a pretty good job with the PlayStation 5. Look, but I also, you know, believe that um, there's a there's a lot about the PS5 that that can be improved upon, and they're slowly starting to add features to the hardware, which you know via firmware updates. So finally, you know, we got the the SSD M2 slot uh, opened mm-hmm. up. You know, um, but there's still things that they need to do. You know, that that they definitely have more work to do. You know, we we still haven't seen things like the variable refresh rate support that, you know, the Xbox has. We haven't seen right. the 8K support. I mean, it's on the box and mm-hmm. they have to <laughs> give us 8K at some point. Now, whatever that implementation of 8K <laughs> looks like, I have no idea, Nate. I mean, the, the, the thought about playing games in 8K just doesn't really make any sense to me. First of right. all, I mean, how do you find an 8K display out there? And even if you can... <laughs> you know what? What games will you will you be playing at eight K yeah. other than like the tourist and kind of you know basic indie right. games? So I mean, and that's yeah. So many of the games can barely render at a native four K, and yeah. we're already looking to eight K. Let's let's get a consistent ten eighty p image right. in some game first, right? <laughs> before we're worried about you know eight K. And you know, to your point about the PlayStation Five hardware when it launched. It definitely felt as though it was still in a beta mode. Yes. It was incomplete. And I remember at the time we critiqued the UI of the main screen. Mm -hmm. It felt very disjointed. You had to hit a lot of buttons just to get a simple thing done. Like if I want to look at my trophies, I have to hit the PlayStation button to bring up the game bar at the bottom. I then have to go to my profile image. I then have to click on trophies. And it was like, why don't you just have a trophy icon like you did on the PlayStation 4 or even on the greatest thing Sony ever invented with the PlayStation 3's XMB yeah. with the crossbar. And they did put out that firmware update where you could finally customize the game bar. You could remove icons that you weren't using and you could adjust the order, which I have used so I can make it a little more seamless for my needs. And that's a fantastic feature. It took. I want to say about nine months to see that added, but it's finally feeling that we're getting to the vision that Sony really had for that main UI. But when it launched, it definitely felt as though it was, I hate to use the term rushed, but it was incomplete. No, no doubt. Do you, do you think Sony has done enough on the, the UI this year 
Um, or do you think, you know, they, they, they're still uh, a little behind where they should be? We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At The Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that owl has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you have, you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. They're definitely in a better place. Like being able to customize the game bar, I think was a step in the right direction. I like how the PlayStation Store is integrated into the main line of icons on the UI. The one thing I do have to complain about the PlayStation Store is that discoverability is still an issue. Absolutely. It's yeah. one of its biggest flaws. Right now, it may not be too big of a deal for PlayStation 5 games specifically because there simply aren't that many PlayStation 5 exclusives. But I go on that store sometimes looking just for new releases. And I have to change the order in which the games are presented, or I have to filter it to really get to what I'm looking for. And if I don't know the name of the game, you know, I can't just go to the search bar. I have to go through kind of loops mm-hmm. and hoops to find what I'm really searching for. So I hope that they do change the discoverability. But I would say one of the flaws of that is simply that it hosts PlayStation 4 games, and the PlayStation 4 has thousands of games. So Hopefully, Sony is able to find a solution to the PlayStation Store problem. I don't know the answer to it. They may not be that simple of a solution, but the PlayStation Store is definitely an area I want Sony to improve upon moving into 2022. So speaking of PS4, God of War, Forbidden West, and Gran Turismo (laughs) 7, while initially, other than Forbidden West, were touted as PS5 exclusives, Obviously, the message had changed at some point, and we've talked about that before, so I don't want to, you know, talk about that again, you know, as far as the marketing that was done around that. But the question is, obviously, next year, we're going to see those games come out. When do you think Sony is going to cease making PlayStation 4 first-party titles? I would like to operate under the assumption that... God of War Ragnarok will be the final PlayStation 4 game. I would like to operate under that. We were told Ghost of Tsushima was going to be that two years ago or 18 months ago. Yeah, it's. I feel as though Sony's original intent was truly to have all three of those games out in 2021 because they do want to end the PlayStation 4 as soon as possible. Yep. And they probably wanted it to end in 2021 and move into 2022 with PlayStation 5 as that sole focus for the development studios moving forward. And the fact that these games got delayed has obviously skewed that expectation for them a bit. And I'm sure Sony's not really happy about that because from a perception standpoint, if you're a PlayStation 4 Pro owner or even a base PlayStation 4, Pro, a base PlayStation 4 owner, what is the sense of urgency to go out and buy a PlayStation 5 when you know that Gran Turismo 7, God of War, Horizon are coming to PlayStation 4 
next year. You know you're going to get quality support still from Sony Studios. And I don't have a problem with cross-generation games. It's great that more people are able to play it. And it's especially good when we have such limited quantities of the PlayStation 5 hitting store shelves and their shortages are, you know, continued for the last 12 months. So this way, the consumer can at least relax and say, I really want to play that game. It's on the platform I own and I don't have to, you know, hunt and actively search for a PlayStation 5. Yeah. But for Sony, I feel as though God of War Ragnarok will be the last cross-gen first-party development for them because we know God of War likely entered development immediately upon completion of the first game. So yep. it was always PlayStation 4 yes. in their mind. There was no way it was ever PlayStation 5 exclusive because it's been in development for three plus years. Yeah, you, you, you're probably right. And then, you know, Forbidden West as well is another game that I, I felt like started out as a PS4 game. And um, I, I guess the only one that's a little strange is, is Gran Turismo 7. But, you know, I mean, I think... It makes sense that that also runs on on PS4 hardware, like you said. They they they're not ready quite yet to kind of cut the cord on on PS4. But I am curious if next year truly will be the last year of of the PlayStation 4, or maybe there'll be a little bit of a trickle, or a little bit of um, you know um, overflow into 2023. I think from like third parties, we'll definitely see that happening because it doesn't seem as though third parties are ready to break away from the last generation consoles probably in part due to the larger user base that is there and there's still a very active community on those platforms and as mentioned it's likely due to the scarcity yeah. of playstation and even the xbox so if you're a third party like square or even capcom you're not ready to commit to these platforms a hundred percent because you don't want to make, you know, just as an example, Resident Evil 9. You don't want to make Resident Evil 9 or the Resident Evil 4 remake with PlayStation 5 and Series X and S as the only consoles in mind. Because if you're bringing that game to market, let's say early half of 2023, you don't know how many platforms are really going to be out there. You can't have a budget of, let's say, $100 million where you might only, and I use the term only with air quotations, of maybe 40 million systems mm -hmm. you want to have 200 million systems so you might consider doing cross-generational releases but i could definitely see you know if you are that playstation 5 gamer you want to see games that really take advantage of that hardware you want to see playstation 5 only games and in 2021 sony definitely tried to appeal to that a bit and their first major release of the year that was PlayStation 5 only, was Destruction Derby All-Stars. Yeah, I forgot and about that game. Everyone forgot about that game. <laughs> Let's be honest. It <laughs> went to PlayStation Plus. Nobody played it. They patched in like computer bots so they could flesh out the game population. Still no one played it. And that was definitely one of Sony's misfires with the PlayStation 5 software in 2021. I just don't know who that game was catering to. It was a weird one, wasn't it? Because, I mean, yeah. were they trying to, you know, appeal to, like, Twisted Metal fans? Were they trying to appeal to, like, Rocket <laughs> League fans? It was it was um, a strange release all around. It really was. And it didn't start off 2021 in the strong fashion I'm sure Sony was hoping. But Sony had an answer immediately after Destruction Derby All-Stars when they brought Housemarque's Returnal mm -hmm. to it. And Returnal 
sparked a lot of conversation. A lot of it was due to the game's roguelike nature. Some of it was the difficulty. And another aspect was you simply can't shut the game off or the system off. You could suspend it. Some people suspended it, came back. The game would then have a glitch and force shut down. And people were getting frustrated with that. That has since been rectified. They have put out a patch in the last couple of weeks that allow you allow you to save your run, shut off the game, and come back to it at a later time. So the game's biggest flaw has been addressed. Would you say the patch came too late, in your opinion? Um, man, that's a, that's a really tough question to answer because, in one way, you could say yes, right? Because we will and truly have moved on from Returnal. You know, we're, we're we're approaching, you know, the end of the year now. Uh, so it's been a little bit of time. But on the on the on the flip side, Nate, I think that any time a patch like this comes out, it's always welcome. It doesn't really matter how much time would would pass. So mm-hmm. I don't really know how to answer that. Like I, I think, look, I've been, I've been someone that was, um, you know, I, I've experienced crashes during uh, the middle of a run. I've um, suspended or put my PS5 in rest mode and I've come back and it's, you know, it, it's wiped wiped out my run for some reason. I, you know, I've experienced all that stuff. I've, I've experienced the frustration of the, the, the loop of Returnal in the past. So I'm very happy to see this patch come out. Um, look, I, yeah, I, I don't know if it's too late. Um, but I do. I also do agree that maybe when um, Returnal was hot, at least you know from a popularity and a um, media perspective, they could have given it to us at that point. But I also wonder if this is a technical thing where they, because they brought out a couple of patches pretty quickly, if you recall, and I think there was one that that didn't work very well and it kind of screwed everything up, and they. They were telling people to not update and then they rolled it back. Right. It was really weird. So I, I, I do wonder if adding um, a a save feature, um, I'll, I'll say, is something that they really needed to to test in the lab and make sure it was rock solid before they pushed it out. So um, ultimately, I think it's fine. I, I'm, I'm happy to see it. And, and I'm actually revisiting the game right now. So I guess, you know, it's working on me. See, like I played Returnal when it came out. I beat it, you know, like two weeks. Yep. The only things I didn't do trophy wise was I didn't do the surveys for each biome. Mm-hmm. And it was just because it was random in terms of like the survey effects that you would have to find. And it was kind of like, well, I don't want to deal with the crashes and stuff. And I think the timing of this patch is very interesting. Sony, oh, absolutely. Sony doesn't have a big holiday game this year for the PlayStation 5. You now address the biggest flaw of yep. one of your biggest exclusives of 2021, a game that people praise the gameplay because the gameplay of Returnal is phenomenal. It's flawless. Mm-hmm. The Agreed. only detractor was really from the system that the game had in place with the run where you yep. couldn't save as we already mentioned. Having that patch come out right before the holidays, right before game of the year discussion. That's what I was going to get at. I think I yes. think the timing is 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 immaculate for this patch. Yes, yeah. this is so holiday sales can drive this game because it's been on sale several times this year. It's likely to be discounted for Black Friday, and 
it's going to be in game of the year discussions. And now if you revisit it and they've addressed the biggest flaw, it might get a few more game of the year nods than people were originally under the assumption of because we had to base it on what the game was at the time. It's now changed. It's now better. Yep. And it definitely has me curious about picking the game up if it is on sale this Black Friday, because it was always a case of if I could get this game for like $40, I would revisit it, especially if they address the run save issue and they have. So it's definitely more appealing. And I think Returnal might go down as kind of I don't want to use the term hidden gem because it definitely was not hidden. But I think it's going to be regarded as one of the PlayStation 5's finer games in history when you really take time to catalog what it brought to the system the visuals are clean mm-hmm. the the action is frantic but somehow has some cohesion to it it's it's a controlled chaos yeah in the gunplay is probably some of the finest arcade style gunplay i have ever experienced in a video game it was house mark at their best Absolutely. And I think we're going to see this game really get the recognition that it deserves due to this patch. And, you know, bravo on Housemark for listening to the critique and bringing out a patch that really addressed it. And yeah, I hope to see more from Housemark and Returnal moving into the future. I would love to see a DLC expansion with a few new biomes. Or one thing I had said way back when the game came out, I would have loved a boss rush mode mm-hmm. or an arcade mode that you could tally an actual score. Yeah. I, I When the game came out, I beat it. Uh, it was frustrating. And I, I think I said at the time that I didn't feel like it was worth the $70. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's still worth the $70, Nate, but it's definitely closer. Um, it's definitely closer. To, to that to yes. that mark you know yeah and i mean i think that's where like the black friday sale would come into play yeah. is now it's not so much of a gamble of right if i don't like the game and it kicks my ass halfway through and i have to start over at least i have that save feature now i can put the game down when i get frustrated i can save a good run you can play something I, else which is play something, something else. you couldn't do if you were playing <laughs> right. a run of Returnal on a playstation 5 yep. and you know you can kind of relax come back with a clear mind and enjoy the game. So, you know, Returnal, I think, is going to be looked upon in a brighter light than it was originally viewed as because everyone praised the gameplay. It was really just a save, and that's been addressed. Yeah. And after Returnal, Sony came out with another big game in 2021, and it's Insomniac's Ratchet and Clank, A Rift Apart. Great game. Fantastic yep. game. One of my favorite games of 2021 this was a game i sat down and i platinumed it in five days i could not stop playing it it was the visuals it was the core design in terms of the world structure the personality of the characters it it was just pure delight is how i would really phrase ratchet and clank for the playstation 5 it's just delightful pixar visuals Mm -hmm. The rift mechanic is my only complaint in terms of the marketing. I thought I was going to be doing a lot more with this rift mechanic where I was going to be flying through the world. And in the end, the rift lasso was essentially just a grapple hook. Yep. A little disappointed there. They played it a little safer than I thought they were going to based on the early marketing material for the game. 
but definitely a must own for any PlayStation 5 owner. It used, I don't want to say it used the SSD well, because I don't know if there's really anything in the game that couldn't be done with a standard hard drive. I mean, it's all about perception, right? Like, right. you know, the way that it, it does transition between worlds, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily something that is next gen only that couldn't right. be done in the past or in, on, on previous systems. There's already been many examples of, of gameplay like that, that, that that's already done that. Like, uh, I know I'm diverting a little bit, but look at Psychonauts too. That had a very similar thing where you could just, you know, you'd open up a hole in the ground and you would jump into it and you were in a, in a different place. It's really just about um, what's actually happening behind the scenes and, and masking, masking all that, that, that loading, that streaming from from the user, so there's no like pause or anything. Um, and look, it's it's a genius piece of programming, you know, to do that. And I think yes. I think you know they absolutely were were 100 on the money to to sell that as a as a cool feature, even though oh yeah, it's not necessarily something that is <laughs> um, a next gen only thing that you know is SSD only, right? But it's it's mm-hmm. still a great great marketing feature. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, the game is delightful. Anyone with a PlayStation Five or is maybe considering getting a PlayStation Five this holiday, Ratchet and Clank should be on your oh yeah, you know your asking list. This is yeah. a game you really should play. And if you're old enough, you know, Returnal should be right below it because they both really illustrate what next gen can do. And I want to go back to Returnal just for a quick second because it used that Dual Sense controller in a really unique way with the triggers mm-hmm. where. The initial press was kind of a more is a slower shot from your gun. And when you held it down into that second press, it was a faster, more focused shot, depending on the gun you had. And that was really cool because it felt so natural. Yep. And even how you reload, it kind of had an active reload system. If you're familiar with Gears of War, where you reload quick, you got benefits, but it used the controller in a really nice way that... You know, almost close to what we see saw with Astrobot. With Ratchet and Clank, I really don't recall any dual sense exclusive features in the controller that come to mind. Right. And maybe they were just so subtle and immersive in their own way that I can't recall them or they weren't there. I'm not I certain. <laughs> I, I want to agree with you. Like I don't really recall anything specific um with Ratchet. You know, like I don't think they they certainly it's certainly not up there with, you know, Astro's Playroom and, and Returnal. Right. Um, it may just have kind of the standard kind of vibration and, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, haptic stuff that, right. that, that you use. But there wasn't anything specific in there that was like, wow, this is incredible, you know. Yeah. So, Sony, a lot of Sony's games outside of like Ratchet and & Clank and Returnal happen to be cross-gen games. And Destruction Derby All-Stars, as we mentioned, was a PlayStation 5 exclusive as well. But a lot of 2021 for Sony was definitely focused on PlayStation 4 cross-platform. And the lineup of those games included stuff like Ghost of Tsushima, Death Stranding, yep. Ina. Mm-hmm. And you know, each of those games, I would definitely say, brought some value to the PlayStation 5 in their own respective way. Even Final Fantasy VII it made itself appealing on the PlayStation 5 because it did increase things like resolution, performance, where they gave you like a graphics or a performance mode. It also had the exclusive DLC with 
the uh, Intermission DLC. Yep. But at, at its base, it was still a PlayStation 4 game, so regardless of availability. Do you think... I know you're going to say no, but hear me out. Do you think <laughs> that... Because after Ratchet, Sony uh-huh. didn't really have much else going on because, you know, we, we learned about Forbidden West wasn't coming out this year. We mm-hmm. learned about God of War was a 2022 game. We learned about Gran Turismo 7. Then all of a sudden we were like, well, what is what is Sony going to give us, you know, in, in um, Q3 and Q4? Mm-hmm. And... All we had really was um, Ghost of Tsushima, the PS5 update, um, Death Stranding, PS5 update, Final Fantasy, Integrade. Do you think that there was a pivot or do you think those games were all always kind of on the roadmap for this year to, to be kind of unveiled? I think those games are always on the roadmap for reveal and release, even if those other titles were on track for 2021. And I think the only thing that would have changed is maybe the timing that they came to market. Mm-hmm. Because as you mentioned, for their like Q3 and Q2, you definitely feel that void. We're yep. in the, we are in November, and Sony doesn't have that big must-have holiday release. Yep. But they do have that back catalog where, as we mentioned, they can position Returnal as a must-have holiday pickup with your PlayStation 5 this year, especially with that patch. Ratchet & Clank can easily be positioned. Sony's also done a very aggressive marketing campaign in the last couple of weeks for Miles Morales. Now, that could be due to the Spider-Man movie coming out in December that they want to do some of that cross-promotional branding. So it does feel as though they're trying to go in that back catalog and emphasizing certain projects for the 2021 holiday season because they don't have that they have a gap of releases and you know had horizon come out in november maybe we would have seen the marketing approach be a little different but i think those titles still would have been on track and it just would have been the timing would have changed for maybe you know by a couple of weeks they would have been moved up in the lineup or but i mean at that same token they could have easily pushed a game like that stranding maybe a little deeper into this calendar year or even Ghost of Tsushima to flesh out that release lineup and make it look, you know, artificially a little fuller and to make it look as though you had a big holiday game, even if it were Mm -hmm. a PlayStation 4 title with, you know, new DLC. And, you know, that's the challenges of marketing in these cases is you have to present the best public perception for your hardware and, I'd say overall, Sony probably did as good as they could. And I think that's why Kina was really positioned as kind of that big release for October for the PlayStation 5, even though it is a PlayStation 4 game, which I'm not really sure if a lot of people are aware of that because it was always marketed as this visual pleasing PS5 title with Pixar like visuals and whimsical fantasy world. And Kina does have a physical copy coming out later this month that maybe Sony will get behind. Maybe they'll do a little heavy marketing on that to cater to like more of that family audience. But it's definitely, it's an interesting thing to look at how they positioned Sony first party published cross-generation software like Ghost of Tsushima and Death Stranding this year because you definitely could have held them a little, back a little more and positioned them in a more beneficial manner. We've seen companies like Nintendo do this where they know they have that software drought or that gap and they slot in an HD remaster 
in like that January, February window because they know they don't have a game until the end of March. And they say, we can't go yep. 11 weeks without a release. Let's throw in Mario 3D World and, you know, Bowser's Fury in the middle of or the end of January. So it looks as though we have something of substance. Yeah. With the PlayStation 5's holiday, they just don't have that. And maybe that's why we're seeing the patch of Returnal. Maybe they could still announce like a DLC, some sort of DLC for like Ratchet and Clank, just to give the game a little spark and put it back in the media's mouth for attention and get it in news headlines again. But it's definitely curious how they positioned some of these PlayStation 4 PS5 titles that, you know, recently got DLC or just an expansion or a deluxe edition to kind of flesh out that holiday lineup. And one title that may get overlooked because it wasn't Sony published, but it is Sony exclusive for at least the next 12 months is Microsoft's slash Bethesda's Deathloop. Have you played this game? I have played this game and it was one of those games I felt misled by the marketing because the marketing of this title did not cater to me. And I played the game and I actually really liked it because it's not at all what the game was marketed as. Yeah. Um, I haven't played it yet, Nate. I'm waiting for um, Black Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure I can get it. I'll be able to get it at a discount and I will jump on it because I've heard great things about this game. Like everyone that I've talked to has really enjoyed it. It's It's reviewed very, very well. And it's another game that I keep hearing is in the conversation for game of the year or potentially could be. So it's de- it definitely you know has my attention and I want to take a look at it. Um, I think I think it was a, a a smart get for for Sony. You know, obviously this was before the the acquisition, but um, uh-huh. I think you know it, it's one of those games. I don't want to say that saved them this year because I mean Sony doesn't need saving. They, they're going to sell they're going to sell console <laughs> even if they didn't release a game this year. They would still have sold like ten million. PS5s. I don't think it really oh, yeah. would have mattered, but um, it, it's it's something that was was a nice little um, thing to have, you know, in in the latter half of the year, um, releasing that game because it really did look like there was just a, this huge drought, you know, for them for a while. Yeah, Deathloop kind of came at that nice time. It was towards the end of summer, beginning of like the fall window where people, you know, we're still technically in summer, but people consider. You know, once it's September here in fall, that type of release, because prior to that, it would have been Ratchet and Clank in terms of exclusive. So Deathloop came at that nice time where you're probably looking, you're hungry for a new exclusive of a big AAA release. And that's something that, you know, Sony definitely struggled with in 2021 was the AAA exclusives. You had a lot of quality cross-gen multi-platform releases like Resident Evil Village and titles like that. But Deathloop was Sony's big exclusive leading into the holiday season and it turned out incredibly well and there is that bit of irony that it is a microsoft game (laughs) and microsoft publishing the biggest game on the playstation 5 (laughs) in the holiday is just something you didn't expect to say in 2021 definitely not so (laughs) let's let's talk about 2022 real quick so next year we have gran turismo 7 Yes. Forbidden West. Uh God of War, which we don't know when that's coming, but it's it's probably a holiday game. Mm-hmm. We have Ghostwire Tokyo should should drop next year. 
Um, Forspoken is another game that should come out next year. Yes. And uh, Pragmata may come out next year, although we haven't- You think so? We haven't heard much. And then there's Final Fantasy 16, which I don't even know what's going on with that game. Is that coming out next year? That'll make 2022 unless Square pivots hard on it, but that should make 2022 with almost 100% certainty. Assuming all those drop next year, mm-hmm. how, how do you feel at least on paper about um, next year for Sony? Do you think they've got it buttoned up pretty well or do you think there's still some gaps they need to address? On paper, it looks as though they're definitely buttoning things up because we know Gran Turismo 7 and Horizon are first half of 2022. They are dated. Yeah. And Sony is looking to start 2022 strong with those releases. Yes, they're cross-gen, but we should be seeing substantial benefits on the PlayStation 5 hardware of these games. And it's definitely, for the first half of 2022, I feel confident with Sony in terms of releases. It's just going to be that second half, and it's only because we don't know. God of War Ragnarok is probably slotted for a second half of 2022 release. Yes. Because they couldn't commit to an actual month right during the last presentation so that one is kind of hard to use as a barometer of what is to come but what we do know based on the release dates with these other two titles is that sony must have some confidence going into 2022 in terms of internal software because they know what they've delayed they know what they have in the pipeline that may have been impacted by covid and has been pushed so they have a better idea than all of us what they have slotted in for 2022. And I'm sure there's titles like The Last of Us Part Two with the factions multiplayer. Okay. That's something does that we even, have not heard does about. Does that even exist, Nate? Come on. It exists in some form. <laughs> it might just be conceptual in the minds of Naughty Dog. But <laughs> if I was Naughty Dog, I would be thinking to myself, we need to focus on the next game. Which is the Last of Us remastered or remake? Yeah, or yeah, I guess. Right. I mean, I think that's what it is. But like the factions thing, I feel like the window on factions has kind of closed. I mean, if they did release factions next year, and, and maybe this is just me um, being a little naive about it, but do you think it would be a a big multiplayer game? It's hard to really say without having... It has potential for it, but... Yes. I mean... Without, you know, specifics into what the direction would be for factions, it's really hard to gauge. And, you know, that's the thing with Naughty Dog. I mean, as well as early 2022 from Naughty Dog, we know that we're going to see Uncharted 4 and The Lost Legacy come to PlayStation 5 too. Right. So, I mean, that first half is starting to feel... It's starting to sound good, but there's still that citation you have to make with all these releases. Uncharted 4 and The Lost Legacy are PlayStation 4 games. Horizon is a PlayStation 4 game. You know, Gran Turismo is a PlayStation 4 game. They're flushing out that lineup, but it's still with cross-generational releases, as we touched on earlier. And again, I don't have a problem with that. It's at least it feels as though the flow of software is going to be stronger in the first half of 2022 versus what we had in the first half of 2021. Right. Because that was like a game 
I want to say every two months. And, you know, at least we've got two exclusives with Returnal and Ratchet. And, you know, maybe we're not going to get those exclusives from Sony in the first half of 2022, potentially not even in the second half of 2022. But, I mean, we're probably a bit too early to really gauge Sony's 2022 output. Yeah. Simply because, you know, they haven't very, they haven't been very transparent with their plans for 2022. And when you look at their plans compared to last year, we knew a lot about their 2021 in terms of software support. We really just know that first half of 2022 at this point. And as mentioned, it's cross-gen games. And I'm sure they have some big, you know, unannounced projects that are coming next year. But at the same time, I have to wonder, what could they be? We know Insomniac is busy with Spider-Man 2 and the Wolverine. Neither of those games will come out in 2022. Those are looking like 2023, 2024 releases. Yeah, I'd say they're a year apart. We know that Sucker Punch just put out the Ghost of Tsushima DLC expansion pack, which is fairly substantial in size. So when's their next game going to be? Maybe 2024? Yep. We we know what God of War team is doing with Ragnarok, but we don't know what Corey Balrog is up to. What is he doing? He's directing a new game. Yep. So when could Sony Santa Monica potentially show his project maybe 2022 we see it but it's definitely a release that's you know a couple of years off and you kind of feel like whatever that is it's ps5 exclusive right i mean it's not yes it's not peaceful yep we know guerrilla games is busy at work on horizon forbidden west we have housemark they put out returnal i'm sure they are well underway on their new project so we're probably looking at a 2022 earliest reveal for their game that would come out maybe second half of 2023 Mm -hmm. yep naughty dog as we said we know they're doing the last of us remake they're working on factions for the last of us part two i do believe they are big enough that they could potentially be working on another project you know maybe a new uncharted or maybe a new ip but a lot of sony's big developers they were there in those first 12 months with the PlayStation 5. So when are we going to see new projects for them? And it feels as though maybe 2022 is just going to be that that trickle effect where the games that could have been in 2021 are falling into 2022 and that's how they're going to flesh out that lineup. We're going to get of games that we could have had had COVID not happened. So 2023 may be really where we see that rush and that energy from Sony And it's not exclusive to Sony. This is also something for Microsoft and even Nintendo to a certain extent is that we don't know those impacts of COVID. If they were a year and a half, it means 2022 is going to be just as heavily impacted. Absolutely. I mean, we saw a a flurry of games kind of get delayed here in the last week. Um, Yes. You know, so it's, Mm -hmm. it's a little naive to think that, you know, next year won't be impact. There won't be impacts as well. We may see some games kind of slip out. I think my my biggest worry, if I was Sony, is I you know like this year. I think the first half of the year, the first half of next year, I think is all buttoned up. They're they're in a really good position. It's just the second half that that may um, they may be in a similar situation to this year. But you know, if they've got God of War for the holiday to save to save that from happening, then I think you know automatically twenty twenty two is going to be a good year for them. But you're right. I mean, I think. 
we won't really see Sony hit kind of top gear, if you will, till 2023. You know, I think I think you know year three right. is really where they are firing on all cylinders. So I, I'm you know mm-hmm. quite looking forward to when yeah. when that comes around. They're not, yeah, we're not worried, factoring yeah, in. They're not worried about PlayStation Four cross generation <laughs> games anymore. They're, 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 right. That's in the rearview mirror. They're focusing completely on the mm-hmm. PS Five at that point. I mean, another thing that is expected in 2022 is going to be the genesis of PlayStation VR 2. Right. This is something they have already officially announced. They have given us a general idea of what to expect from PlayStation VR in terms of the controllers. We haven't seen the headset, but it does feel as though it will likely be a holiday 2022 type of release. And VR... I get it's a very expensive accessory. It's a supplemental hardware, but if they can bring PSVR 2 to market next holiday and you have launch titles like Resident Evil 4 VR, Half-Life Alex, that's that's going to get some attention. So even if you didn't have God of War Ragnarok ready, they could potentially pivot and position vr headset has their major holiday release yeah it's going to cost you know four hundred dollars yep but when you bring a quality product like half-life alex to the device it's going to garner a lot of attention and vr isn't for the casual audience it's for that hardcore with disposable income Mm -hmm. but it wouldn't be a bad move for them if they had to go that direction because it is a big release by its own right yeah i I think um I think my only concern if I was Sony about VR is they need to hurry up and get this out because I feel like <laughs> VR technology is has um th- there's it feels like there's more headsets that are coming out from other manufacturers and everything right. seems like it's it's completely wireless now you know mm-hmm. um and yeah, sure. There's, you know, we've been told that PSVR two has one main wire that connects to the system, which is fine. But that, I think that message, you know, a year ago was okay. It's not great, but we can live with it. I think as time goes by, that idea just kind of seems more and more out of date already, and the hardware yes, hasn't even come absolutely. out yet so i just i just feel like they they need to drop this hardware like we we th- this needs to be a early next year state of play Ooh. playstation vr2 is coming type wow. of thing has to be i could see them towards the end of their current fiscal year so we're talking you know march i could see them relay some information about it maybe they show the headset and they just give a general release window and timing maybe some of the software that's in development for it because when we saw the controllers it was also kind of timed for their investors and so they could say look at the promise of what's to come so i could see something like that playing out but i i'm not anticipating the actual release of vr until the second half of 2022 oh yeah i feel as though i don't i don't think it's going to release early next year i think it's going to get announced early next year (laughs) Yeah, it could be a while. One thing I want to touch on, and it does tie into 2022, and also goes back into 2021 a bit, is Sony's recent commitment to the PC. They've announced, you know, PlayStation PC as one of their initiatives. And for some reason, this is quite controversial to people. I 
don't fully understand why it is controversial because as far as i can tell if you're a sony fan this is a win because sony's going to bring some of their back catalog of playstation 4 and some playstation 5 games to the pc to a new consumer base and this is good for sony it makes them more revenue because they have to you know offset some of those budgets of these high price triple a games and 2022 is definitely going to see a lot more of it i'm not anticipating that sony will have any day and date releases on ps5 and pc i think ps5 will remain the primary place for releases and pc is always going to be supplemental it's going to be six months maybe 12 months down the line and we start take foundation in 2021 and 2022 is definitely going to build on that foundation considerably Mm -hmm. yeah i mean you're right i i don't really understand where you know the the outrage is coming from it 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 just doesn't make sense to me i i think seeing you know, PlayStation games on the PC can only be a good thing for everyone, really, at the end of the day. Um, so I, I agree with you. I, I think I think overall it is a very positive move for them. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, you know, it's they've already seen the return on investments that they, they've seen from games like Horizon and um, Days Gone, you know, um, Death Stranding. Those games have done pretty well on the PC, especially Death Training, which I think initially when that came out probably didn't sell as much for it, Sony. Yeah, it didn't. It wasn't a big seller on PS4. It, was it, definitely, it definitely underperformed. Yeah, so it's, you know, the tail has really, um, you know, worked worked there. And and so I think overall it's, it's a great, great um, announcement. And look, who doesn't want to play God of War on a big widescreen ultra widescreen uh, well, monitor you know i don't i don't have a pc that could possibly run it <laughs> well, i just stick to my tv <laughs> that's true but i mean then you have things like the steam deck i mean the the the, the options that you have um is yeah. quite quite interesting and you know sony usually does a great job with their pc ports as well um they're scalable enough where they can run on pretty much most pcs you know anything from like a uh, you know, a, a mid-range um, all-round PC, obviously up to a very powerful gaming PC. But just <laughs> having that option, I think, is is really a good thing. Would you say Sony's PC initiative is one of their stronger announcements in the 2020, 2021 year? Would you say that commitment was definitely something that was meaningful for the company? Yes, um, because I was one of those that, Although I knew Sony was um, committed to the PC, I didn't necessarily believe that games like God of War would ever come to the PC. So I think it's a pretty important announcement, and it's it's a it's a statement, you know, that there's that they're making. Um, now, you know, like sure, these games are probably going to be on this on the PlayStation for like four years before some of them ever appear on the PC, right? <laughs> But I think it's a statement from them saying, you know, our entire catalog is is on the table now. We we can pretty much bring anything that we want. So I think it was a, a pretty important important announcement. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And another area that Sony showed considerable growth in 2021 that we have to acknowledge is in the acquisition realm. Oh yeah. This, yeah. 
this is something that Sony and Microsoft have really made considerable effort in and investments. Sony didn't quite get to the level that we saw at Microsoft when Microsoft purchased, you know, Zenimax and Bethesda and all that's under that umbrella. But Sony made big moves of their own. And I would say Sony's acquisitions were more focused. They were more deliberate. Yeah. And the more the most recent acquisition is Bluepoint. Mm-hmm. Now, Bluepoint is a studio that comes with no IP. Yeah. This is a this is a company who has never made their own title. I have referenced them as art restoration in the past. And that's really their forte. They remaster games. They remake games that others had originally developed. And they bring them to the modern era with beautiful visuals and some refined gameplay mechanics. Demon Souls being the last release from the studio. With the acquisition news, it did come forth that Bluepoint is going to put out their own original game. And it's been compared to the scale of a Miles Morales. So maybe a tight 10 to 12 hour game. Nothing epic or legendary in terms of scope. And that they are currently remaking or remastering a beloved franchise. And there's really been no hints to that. A lot of it has alluded to the possibility that it is Bloodborne. But I feel as though Bloodborne and Bluepoint have been linked together since yeah 2015 so yeah you know probably not good to pay too much attention to that but the acquisition of blue point is definitely curious because it felt as though it was a deliberate buy sony knows what they can offer but at the same time they've essentially been exclusive to sony's brand now since their advent they've only done i believe two other products that came to the xbox brand and one of them was the metal gear solid collection and the other was titanfall yep so if i'm sony you could have continued to con you could have kept them contractual the fact that you acquired them feels as though they are brewing something bigger for the studio yeah and when you look at their catalog of past projects they might be ripe to really take on a bigger original ip moving forward be it we have to remember sony owns demon souls and bloodborne these are not from software ip mm-hmm. yeah considering bluepoint has worked on the demon souls remake could sony be grooming them to make demon souls 2 yeah it's possible i mean it's a great question, you know, why did Sony <laughs> acquire Bluepoint? I mean, I think a lot of independent studios kind of don't want to get acquired, right? I mean, I think they're right. more than happy to to go about their business. And mm-hmm. uh, part of me makes it makes it seem like very much like next level with Nintendo that Sony just wanted to make sure that Bluepoint didn't kind of pick up any other work outside of Sony-based based stuff right um because you're right i mean blue point has done xbox work in the past you know that they have worked on other platforms the the idea about their own ip or making a demon souls 2 that's interesting to think about because yeah i mean if i'm if i was trying to speculate what blue point would be doing you got to think that they're taking something that 
they've already worked on and, you know, making a, a follow-up to that game. And I, I like your idea about a Demon Souls tour. I think that definitely tracks with, with A, you know, what Bluepoint's all about and B, kind of, you know, dipping their toes into making games, you know, like building new IP or, or building a brand new game from scratch rather than just going, you know, headfirst into a a full, full-blown full AAA um, game where you're right, they don't have necessarily the, that experience, but stepping into um, a world that they're very familiar with and just expanding on that in a sequel of sorts, I think that that makes a lot of sense to me. So I, I could see that. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's something they, they could do. I mean, it's definitely a thought because, as I said, it felt as though this buy was deliberate. Yeah. And I don't know if you as you know Sony or Microsoft, even Nintendo, why you would go out of your wa- way to buy a remaster studio. Right. Like, as I mentioned, they don't have that their own IP. So there's more value here than we see yeah. from the public perception. There's something Sony knows that they have either assigned them or that Bluepoint has come forth with them, be it a prototype of an original project that Sony said, we love this. You guys have proven that you could handle something like a Demon Souls 2 or a Bloodborne 2. And we're going to let you take those IPs because otherwise they're sitting dormant. Mm-hmm. Sony's not going to go to FromSoft and say, do you want to make Demon Souls 2? It's been right. far too long. And FromSoft has way too many projects of their own that they want to do. They have Elden Ring. They have their own IP that they want to capitalize on. So it's good to have that own studio within who has that familiarity with the Demon Souls franchise and maybe can look at the bones that they've already worked on and said, you know, I think we can make our own Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. It may not be up to quality to, you know, FromSoft because FromSoft is, you know, yeah. that's their specialty. <laughs> but if you could even come close to replicating it just by mirroring it and making a reflection of what FromSoft has done, that's a very, I would say, you know, advantageous purchase. And Sony also made the purchase of Housemark, which we commented a bit on earlier and they developed you know returnal they've done super stardust in the past yep and next this is yeah that's a fantastic game that definitely got overshadowed on the playstation 3 Mm -hmm. and this buy also feels deliberate this wasn't an expensive buy for sony but this gives them a unique quality in terms of releases. It gives them that arcade style game and i'm sure housemark was looking to be purchased because they have said in the past they can't continue to do these arcade style games because they're not that profitable. They don't sell enough. And being a small independent studio, you definitely worry about where your future funding is going to come from. So this seemed as though it was beneficial for both Sony and Housemark. And this could pay off big for Sony in the future because if Returnal, it was their first real foray into a bigger AAA game design project, they're only going to get more comfortable with that type of design yep. and we're going to see some potentially exciting and expansive ideas they we have to also remember when sony purchased insomniac for it was somewhere in the area of only like 250 million dollars right that was that was a that was the steal of the century absolutely look what insomniac has become for sony mm-hmm. spider-man oh yeah the wolverine ratchet and clank resistance they are one of sony's 
best developers. Yes, Insomniac has a lot of internal issues with the treatment of employees that we have to make note of. But their output in terms of software has been legendary for Sony. And if they can turn Housemark and even Bluepoint into studios that can mirror or replicate what we've seen from Insomniac and like Naughty Dog, Sony's internal studio output is going to flourish in years to come. Yeah. And, you know, Housemark is definitely a talented studio and they've shown that with Returnal. And I'm really curious what they try for their next project because they have the confidence of Sony and now they have Sony's full backing and financial support, which Returnal, though published by Sony, Housemark was not part of the Sony umbrella yet. Right. Now they are. Yeah. Yeah. We also, very exciting. Very exciting yeah. um, to see where the fruits mm-hmm. of all those acquisitions uh, end up. Um, yes. Um, I, I think Sony made the right plays on, on, on this one. And you're right. It, it's They weren't the caliber of the Bethesda acquisition, but I think they were very specific, very calculated mm-hmm. acquisitions. And, and and I think, you know, all of them will bear fruit over the coming years. They also acquired Nixus. I believe that's how you pronounce their name. Nixus, yep. And that's for their PC development. So that shows you that they are invested with PC ports and such moving forward. But do you think Sony has one more acquisition in them? Yeah, I do. Um, I think I think they haven't finished. You know, I think there's there's probably at least another one coming up next year. As far as who that is, well, that's a great <laughs> question. Um, you know, there's there's rumors about Take Two. There's which I don't oh, think I don't God. think that's going to happen. By the way, <laughs> I don't think Take Two wants to be no. bought out. Um, no way. You know, there's there's rumors about um, you know WB. There's all sorts of stuff going around right now. Um, I mean, who who would you kind of say oh is? I think I think if Sony's going to pick someone up, it's going to be a small studio. I think, like I said, they're they're very good at identifying um, you know smaller talents and really mm-hmm. you know flourishing those talents at, yes. as a Sony first party so i think something like that would would make more sense yeah i think they're gonna they'll probably find an indie studio right maybe the development studio who's doing little devil inside yep like or even kina yes maybe they look at those type of indie studios that have shown promise and say you know your first release was excellent we want you part of our umbrella we're not gonna we're not gonna force anything on you we just love what you did. Or maybe, you know, you could look to the Kina developer and they say Insomniac or not. I won't, I won't go with Insomniac. Mm-hmm. Sucker Punch is too busy with the next next Ghost of Tsushima game. Right. We want you to take on the next Sly Cooper. Right. Because you have that visual style. You understand the direction that you could take this franchise. I think that's the type of studio they're going after. Yeah. They're basically as a sports analogy. Maybe people won't get it. But when you look to like football teams and baseball teams, you don't always want to chase after the player who wants the 10-year, $400 million contract. Right. You want the hungry, ambitious player who is just thankful to be on the field. You find that hidden talent that's going under the radar. 
and so many flourishing indie studios out there that show promise like a team cherry Mm -hmm. and team cherry is only four people so they're not going to get picked up by a company like sony but i think it's going to be that range microsoft is going after the bigger they're game hunting Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah sony is looking for the undiscovered talent to make a strong quality lineup Microsoft is looking for the bigger established names, which will produce large fruit that's going to be delectable. But Sony is kind of building that small army of quality that's all of a sudden going to catch you by surprise and be like, whoa. Because when Insomniac got bought, they were a good developer. They put out quality. Right. But they're on a whole nother echelon now. Absolutely. Look, that's that's a great point, Nate. I mean... Microsoft is really good at mer- mergers and acquisitions. I mean, they've mm-hmm. they've done they've done this so many times. They're really good at acquiring big companies and kind of integrating yes. them into into the phrase. So the Bethesda thing made a lot of sense. You know, um, mm-hmm. I don't think Sony is has that same mindset. I don't, I don't think they want the baggage of a WB or a Take Two. You know, companies that have been around for a long time that have their own processes in place that may clash with what Sony has in 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 their mind. So yeah, I right. think I think acquiring a smaller dedicated indie studio like like the ones that that, that worked on Kina um makes a lot of sense. And I you know mm-hmm. it, it also means they don't have to spend as much money as well. And um right. they have a really good return on investment, you know, um, mm-hmm. when when it comes time to ship games. So yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. I could see them picking up um, the developers of Little, Little Devil Inside or, or Kina or some something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, like Insomniac, two hundred million bucks. Oh, absolute and steal! Look what they've produced for them. I mean, Spider Man yep. has sold well over 10 million copies miles morales has sold exceptionally well ratchet and clank is selling well they made back that investment in one release yep and that's fantastic for a company and i think that's where you can look to a lot of promise for the playstation 5 in 2022 and beyond this first year definitely showed growing pains some of that was due to covid but i mean if you had a grade these first 12 months for the playstation 5 where do you think he would settle um, are we doing a A to um, F or are we doing a out of 10? We'll do A through F with negative, with minus <laughs> <Okay>. and plus. <laughs> I'm going to give him a, I'm going to give him a, a B. I was going to say okay. a B minus, but I'm going to give him a B because I think they did enough this year um, where it wasn't, you know, anything worse than a B for me. It definitely could have been improved. You know, if we if we ended the year at Ratchet and Clank, I would mm-hmm. have probably had said an A. Like I think, you know, that, that would have changed the conversation. But I'm pretty happy with with what they did. I my only thing is, as mentioned, is they kind of lost their way towards um the latter half of the year. Um not 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 their fault, you know, it's it's just the way the industry is right now. Um, but you know, some, some big acquisitions announcements, um, the commitment to the PC, they did, um, update the PlayStation five in areas that a lot of people were asking for. 
we got some good games as well. So overall, I'm pretty happy. Um, next year, I think will will we'll need to be better, and I think it will be. Mm-hmm. So I think I think a B sounds about right. Where do you see? Where do you see it? I mean, a B definitely based on you know your explanation there. B definitely sounds fair. I think I'm just going to come in with a B minus with the biggest drawbacks were really the exclusive first party releases. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we saw them open up the first half of 2021 with, you know, three first party exclusives with Eternal, Destruction Derby All-Stars and Ratchet and Clank, two of three being quality, the other one being forgettable. Yep. The second half being so loaded with cross-gen or deluxe remaster type of additions. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, it's not a huge negative, but it's definitely a point reduction. Yeah. Um. I would say a little bit of the lack of the utilization of the dual sense, something that they so heavily marketed from not really being utilized, not just by Sony, but also third party developers. So I'm not going to knock Sony too hard on that because it does come down to third party integration. And I know the fine folks at Night Dive did integrate it with Quake. Yeah, I did that code on myself, by the way. <laughs> I did. That's right. Brag. Brag about it. <laughs> Sell people on Quake and dual sense. Go, go buy Quake on the PS5 if you haven't already. <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, but the PC direction, the studio acquisitions definitely elevated to a higher level. And you know, B minus is definitely me being harsh on them. Yeah, I was I was going to say B minus, but I I feel like they just did enough to mm-hmm. to push it up. You know, one, yeah, one I, notch. I'm being that hard teacher. I'm just like, <laughs> you're doing good. You're you're definitely in the right direction. Right. I just wanted a little more from you in this first year, and I am taking you know COVID in this you know as a variable and factoring into this review score. And, you know, a B minus isn't, it's not a bad, that's still a great year. A B minus is great. And 2022 right now, based on what we know, especially in that first half, Sony has the makings to be in A in that, in oh, that yeah. calendar year. So yeah. I'm excited for what 2022 in terms of the promise that the PlayStation 5 can bring. I think for the first 12 months, the PlayStation 5 definitely illustrated what next gen can offer in terms of game design and how it can be revolutionized with the SSD, how you know 4K resolution can really add immersion, HDR, RTX, all those types of effects, how the DualSense can be utilized in a meaningful way. 3D audio isn't really something we talked about. I think that was just pure marketing hype. I really don't see any benefit of 3D audio right. that's really going to change, you know, at least not to the level that Mark Cerny had to scope the inside of our ears. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, B minus, I think overall is a great first year. I'm very excited for what the PlayStation five can bring into the future. And, you know, if you're a Sony fan, there's a lot to look forward to. Yeah, no doubt about it. And we can move into some of the Streamlabs questions that we got over the week. And our first question comes from, the Daily Beating, who donated $5, who writes, I was playing Smash and I was on the Isle Delfino stage. And it got me wondering, are stages like these where it goes through a well-known area in the background remade from the ground up or are a- assets reused in some way? What about the new Kingdom Hearts stage? 
I believe they are remade for Smash Brothers uh, specifically. Yeah, I get that feeling as well um, that they were made for the game. Because yeah, I think of like the Bayonetta stage where you're falling through the sky and you have the demons fighting in the background on the clock tower. I don't think Platinum just has that one area sitting aside and they just splice it and give it to Smash and say, here. Right. Because you still have to. I think they're remade. Not to say they're not going to get some assets from the developer. Yep. But yeah, I don't. I think they're remade probably using some assets in some extent, but it should be completely made for Smash Brothers specifically. Then had a dollar donation from Traveler of the Stars. With Pikmin Bloom's release, I am asking yet again, where is Pikmin 4? Nate, do you have any legitimate and or concrete information as to what happened to the game and what its current state is? The game was said to be close to completion back in 2015. The statement in 2015 was technically true at the time. The title has since gone through one or two reboots, an engine change. And as for its current state, it was in development. I know it was in development as of 18 months ago. It could have been rebooted again since then. It may just be a case of the direction of the game they're not 100% certain of, or they're just hitting issues. But Pikmin 4 is definitely something that's ongoing in development at Nintendo. But when I say ongoing in development, it means they are working on it. Whether or not it comes to market or it's ever actually announced is a different matter. Games are in development all the time that we never actually see. Mm -hmm. So Pikmin 4 may fall into that latter category, but it is something Nintendo is diligently working on. Hopefully we hear about some sort of direction and plan for Pikmin 4 in 2022. I know Pikmin 3 Deluxe performed exceptionally well, exceeded Nintendo's internal expectations for the project. So I'm sure their focus is on getting a new Pikmin out as soon as possible. But as for when Pikmin 4 will take bloom... I really don't have any concrete timing to give at this point because the state of the project continues to be in disarray and uncertainty. We then had a dollar donation from Jackie G who writes, at what point will you personally feel comfortable being excited for Activision games again? When I see meaningful change take place at Activision and it's not just public posturing i need to hear from countless developers that things have actually changed those held those responsible for the heinous actions are held accountable are fired and management sees significant changes and new policies are in place totally so, agree totally agree with everything you said i was going to say when bobby kotick is gone but i think you actually said it better so I guess if I gave a time window, possibly never. But, I mean, they did put out some statements this week that sounded promising, but I need to see the changes actually. It's almost like motion. it's almost like they have no choice now because, you know, they're, right. they're, they are bleeding employees right now. Mm -hmm. um, not only, you know, developers, contractors, but management is also starting to walk yes. as well so yep. something needs to something needs to happen over there yeah need to see a lot of changes yep then had a five dollar donation from glitchin one two three 
writes, no way Nintendo fixes the emulation on NSO. We all got addicted to Copium when they charged for online services, hoping they would upgrade their infrastructure. And how did that go? Um, You're not wrong. You're not wrong, but I also feel like they will address this. I don't know when that will be, though. Like, I, I don't think the next update to NSO will have those fixes right. in place. But I, I, I do want, I do want to think that Nintendo does read this stuff. They, they do see this stuff. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's obviously been a lot of videos. There's been a lot of um, media talking about this. It mm-hmm. does need to get better, and. A part of me feels like they will, they are listening and they will improve it. Yeah, I think if if they can improve it, they will. It's just going to be a matter of how long is that going to take to see the meaningful improvements take place. The fact that they just updated Mario 3D All-Stars with the N64 controller support kind of gives me hope that they yeah. are listening and paying attention to certain things. So... I will give them three to six months to update the N64 emulation on NSO. If we don't see it within six months, then yeah. I would, then I'd be willing to say it's not happening. Yeah, I would agree. Then had a dollar donation from Liam Werner who writes, why is Nintendo so terribly bad at emulating N64? It sucked on Wii. It was actually worse on Wii U. And now after already making a perfectly good switch N64 emulator for 3d all-stars, it's still not that great with the bugs and missing fog reflections. Uh, I, I don't think it's fair to say Nintendo sucks <laughs> at emulation. Um, the Wii Virtual Console wasn't that bad, so I would, I would, I would, I wouldn't say it was really, really terrible or anything. But yeah, I mean, I made a video about this. It, it, they, they have lost their way, you know. And look, why that's happened? There's many different reasons why that could have happened um but ultimately comes down to the amount of money and time they want to invest in 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 the product you know mm-hmm. um but yeah i think i think they they can make this right and they will i mean it, i do admit it is surprising they didn't simply use the 3d all-stars emulator that they used for the mario 64 again on all these games and it as you mentioned it could have been just a time and investment type of thing I mean, that had a dollar donation from Liam Warner. Actually, just to go on that again, it's they charged you $60 for Mario 64 and that emulator, and now they weren't going to give you that quality <laughs> emulation for $30 a year. Right. <laughs> that's that's the real reason they didn't use it. That sounds about right. <laughs> then had a dollar donation from Liam Warner. He writes, have either of you played Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story? It's a phenomenal Mario RPG and game altogether, and if you haven't played it, I highly recommend picking up the 3DS remake. After all, Alpha Dream died just to make it. Did you play it, Nate? I played the original. Yeah, I played the original. I haven't played this one. Well, we killed Alpha Dream. Uh, But I may take a look at it. I'm I'm always... I always listen to recommendations from people, so I'll I'll, I'll give it a go. The original release was really cool. I like the story concept of actually like being in Bowser and how you fought the things and his body. It was a really neat concept. It's a shame the 3DS version bombed horrendously and Alpha Dream had a closed shop. I guess it's kind of my fault for not buying it again. (laughs) (laughs) 
damn. <laughs> then I had a $5 donation from B Martin 001. Right. I absolutely love the podcast. Been watching since the beginning. I want to say thank you for all this amazing podcast and the entertaining discussions you bring us every week. Question. Do you think we'll get Twilight or we'll get Zelda Wind Waker and Twilight Princess HD to switch? Firstly, thank you for all the support and being with us since the beginning. As for Wind Waker and Twilight Princess HD, yes, I do believe they will come to switch. It's just a matter of when, not if. And I believe Nintendo is simply waiting on a release gap to slot them in. And it's probably a case of if they are uncertain, if Breath of the Wild 2 will make release in 2022, they will say, here's Wind Waker and Twilight Princess in, you know, like the summer of 2022. But if Breath of the Wild 2 somehow does make holiday 2022, then they probably may wait a little longer for Wind Waker and Twilight Princess. They, they're kind of yeah release filler i agree i mean i think it's something that they kind of have in their pocket which Mm -hmm. they can use if they even when they need to kind of like with with pikmin 3 Mm -hmm. this year i mean yeah i i I would say that's accurate then had a five dollar donation from marson Right, hi guys. I don't see upgraded Switch, if not completely new generation, solving much. Developers would need then to create a port for small user base. Basic Switch, 100 million users versus new Switch, 2 to 5 million users. I don't see a solution for Nintendo. Well, I mean, if they do an upgraded Switch in terms of like a revision, it's mostly to give developers a little more flexibility in their ports and give them just an avenue to bring titles to the platform it's not really necessarily like a big money maker you're not going to have exclusive releases in that case of like substantial investment from a company like a capcom like capcom has expressed interest in the past that they would love to bring a title like resident evil 7 to switch it's simply a case of the performance they're getting on the hardware isn't up to par where they feel it's doing the game justice so if you brought out a revision that could handle Resident Evil 7 natively, they would be more apt to bring the game to the platform. And they would understand and say, hey, the port cost us just as a number, a million dollars. We're only looking for 100,000 sales out of this 5 million user base. Right. It's just an extra revenue stream is how they would really view it. Yep. That had a $5 donation from Marston. The right to comment for the Nintendo fans will buy anything. If the next Switch is not backward compatible, Wii U has shown that it was around 13 million fans back then. That's all. Current Switch numbers is mostly not Nintendo fans. Nintendo fans is not that much. Definitely a percentage of that 13 million base for the Wii U was the core Nintendo group. It's tough to gauge what is a true base for any of these companies. Because, you know, the Xbox One isn't a huge, wasn't a huge seller either. I don't know if anyone would say, you know, Microsoft has a committed base of 30 million users. I'd say Nintendo has more than 13 million fans. The Wii U was just a product that didn't cater to a substantial percentage of Nintendo fans. In the case of the Switch, your, your general view is right. The Switch definitely had a appeal to non-Nintendo fans and even some non-core gamers. I mean, I personally have friends who 
haven't bought a system since you know the N64 who purchased the Switch because they like the idea of playing a title like Mortal Kombat 11 on the go. And that really drew them to the system. And, you know, the visuals were good enough for them. So the Switch kind of has a blue ocean effect. And, you know, when people say Nintendo fans will buy anything, they're really talking kind of like that core group of it's far less than 13 million. It's probably closer to like five or six million that would just purchase anything Nintendo slapped a box in. We then had a $5 donation from Jackie G writes so i'm typing this on the 2nd of november so i can wish the channel a happy second birthday i've been watching since day one and have consistently enjoyed your content i look forward to whatever the future may hold thank you thank you uh much appreciated i can't believe it's two years yeah i think i I started the channel i think in november two years ago and you joined in march or february the following year so Three, four months later. Yep, I dropped a bombshell that E3 would be canceled, and it was. Remember that episode? <laughs> That's right. No one was listening to our show at the time, so they missed it. Only like a thousand people were listening to it. Our humble beginnings. <laughs> and it, I mean, right now we're on the verge of 16,000 subscribers. I mean, that's a number I didn't think the channel would ever get to. And I mean, I would say we're still the same thankful, humble channel that we were 24 months ago. No doubt. Still love interacting with the community, answering these types of questions, going in the comment section. So thank you for all those who have been here for the last two years, or even those who may have just joined this episode. We then had a $5 donation from Alex. He says, how do you guys keep track of your backlog? I kept a spreadsheet for a long time in Google Docs, then tried some different tracking sites before settling on the GG app. Are you on any platforms like GG? I'd love to follow your account if you are. I am not. My backlog is basically whatever games are on my shelf, and I look at them periodically and say, hmm, I should probably play you. Yeah, I'm the same. I (laughs) I, I tend to try to clear the backlog during the holiday season. Um, It's usually when things have quietened down. Mm -hmm. So I will pick up any game that um, I can get for for cheap on Black Friday that I wanted to get during the year, which I didn't want to spend the 60 on or the 70 on. (laughs) I also take the opportunity to try finish any game I was currently playing and I didn't get around to completing because something else came along or I got too busy. So that's usually what I do. I don't have a, a GG account or anything like that. Yeah, I usually have an idea of a game like, oh, I couldn't finish this early in the year. I want to go back to it during the holiday season, you know, basically November and December. Yeah. Especially like this type of year where there's no real big releases. And I'll be like, you know, I'm going to sit down, complete that game because I know I only have like two, maybe five hours left. And that's kind of how I do it. And some games I'll just never go back to because I either don't like them or I just don't have the time to commit to them. Then had a $5 donation from Marty Mars. Right, your last podcast, the N64 NSO, could pass for an ASMR com podcast. I love the <laughs> idea of YouTube doing an ASMR podcast on video games and video game development. Keep up the great work. Were we that quiet last time? I don't, I, I aren't all of our shows. Weren't we like really annoyed at NSO? We were loudly yeah. screaming. 
Maybe we weren't loudly screaming. I mean, we really probably should put that yeah. don't listen to the show while operating heavy machinery <laughs> note at the beginning. Yep. I mean, last show we were talking about, you know, Freddy Kruegering our Oh yeah. Ourselves. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well let's maybe we should put this on an ASMR channel. See how well it does. Yeah. Start it as a secondary. We can assure you that the ASMR nature of this show was not deliberate and we just happen to be ASMR voices. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last Streamlabs question for this week. If you would like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in our description below. Donate any dollar amount. Ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. And if you enjoy ASMR video game talk and video game development talk, you can also make a donation and tell us how we helped you put you to sleep this evening. <laughs> and I'd like to thank MVG for joining me as always. Always a pleasure, Knight. Thanks for having me on. And if you enjoyed this content, be sure to give the video a like. If you didn't give it a dislike, let us know your thoughts on Sony's first year in the comment section below, as well as their software output, acquisitions, and their plans for 2022 and how you feel Sony will approach the year. We will have an episode discussing Xbox's first year in the coming days with some predictions of what Microsoft may have in store for 20th anniversary announcements. So until then, continue to embrace the hate.